following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, hello, everybody. It's your favorite hillbilly, Pepsi Mama, and I'm glad to be with you this week for another edition of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, and I hope you like the show, and uh, you might, I think you'll probably like it better since COVID's just about gone, so (laughs) I know last year or last week when I uh, did the show, my voice was kind of froggy, at least I thought it was. But uh, I'm glad to have you with me. Um, there are several ways you can listen to us. Hope you like what you hear. And if you do, um, you can listen to us on Facebook and YouTube. And you'll find us at both places. Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And so you can follow us or, and you can like us and all of that good stuff on YouTube. You can, YouTube, you can actually subscribe. And, um, and it, with Twitter, yeah, I knew I was forgetting something looking at my notes. Uh, Twitter, if you want to, uh, like us and follow us, um, you can do that at Blind Who's, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E, one word. You can find us at any podcast player if you don't, you know, if you don't like, if you can't or don't like to listen to it live, you can, um, find us on any of your podcast players that you like. I don't know of any place where it's not, but, uh, uh, I, I was listening to the Apple Viz newsletter yesterday and, uh, I found Podcast Guru, so I downloaded it. I haven't played with it yet. But I will probably tomorrow. But um, we've got Victor hiding in the background, turning all the wheels and pushing all the buttons that makes the show possible. And uh, if you want to contact him for whatever reason, his uh, email is whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com so today I'm doing game shows for you and the first one that I'm doing for you is called information please <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a goofy show uh, it's it's where people send in questions and they've got to have the answer with the question and of course the answer has to be right so the uh, the uh, staff, what they would do is they would go back and make sure that the answer was right before they put the question out there. Um, but they had uh, their guest stars were Gracie Allen and um, John Gunther. <laughs> and I, I guess if you're familiar with uh, Gracie Allen on the uh, uh, 
Burns and Allen's shows and all the shows she used to do. You know, she was she was just goofy. She didn't have any sense hardly at all. <laughs> so, uh, but and and I yesterday when she was uh, when I was listening to this and she was acting normal, <laughs> it took it 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 like to threw everybody for a loop. Because he said, because John said to her, Gracie, I'm waiting for you to go out of character. He said, I don't know what to do with this. And she laughed. And she was really, she was really good, though. She got all her answers right. Information, please. Presented each week at this time by Canada Dry, famous the world over for its fine beverages. (laughs) Wake up, America. Time to stump the experts and treat yourself to a cool, refreshing glass of ginger ale. Every week at this time, Canada Dry presents Information, Please. All we want is questions, questions, questions. All we give is answers, answers. Often correct ones, too. Here's how it's done. You may submit from one to three original questions. For every question our quartet fails to answer, the sender gets $10 with the compliments of Canada Dry. For every question we use, whether or not it's answered correctly, the sender gets $5. So you can make $15 if our experts miss out, which they occasionally do. Our editorial staff may reword your question a trifle. Don't worry about it. Whenever there is a duplication of questions, Information, Please uses the one that was submitted first. All questions become the property of Information, Please and should be addressed to Canada Dry, 1 Pershing Square, New York City. And now may I present our Master of Ceremonies, Mr. Clifton Fadiman, literary critic of the New Yorker magazine. Mr. Fadiman. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen... Well, we go as we please on this program. It's uninhibited, unrehearsed, uncabined, uncribbed, unconfined. The member of the board who feels the urge to answer a question raises his hand. And if the question is mucked, Canada Dry cheerfully pays out $10 to the sender, plus $5 for the use of the question itself. Tonight, our board of experts consists of the following. The inimitable walking and talking encyclopedia, John Kieran. The equally inimitable creator of the conning tower, the man with a long memory and the deep voice, Franklin P. Adams. The famous journalist, John Gunther, whose brilliant book, Inside Asia, has just been published and who leaves tomorrow on a trip to Europe to check up on that continent. And uh, finally, what's this? Can I believe my eyes? Why, it's none other than that uh, surrealist painter. Yes, she paints. And authority on, uh, well, anyway, welcome to our little city, Gracie Allen. Uh, Gracie, by the way, appears by courtesy of Chesterfield, known hereafter to all information pleasers, as the Canada Dry of cigarettes. <laughs> now, uh, <coughs> if, gentlemen, and Gracie, you are ready, we will start <coughs> with a question from Elizabeth Nicholson of Tacoma, Washington. Several well-known characters in song or story or legend flew without benefit of modern inventions. Grace, you know what a modern invention is, like an airplane, sort of. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I know you know it. I want you to name five of them. For example, Pegasus, the famous horse, uh, would, would be one. But don't name that, Gracie. Don't name that. I oh. gave you that. Oh. All right. Uh, Mr. Adams, suppose I... you start us off. Darius Green. Uh, wasn't that a flying machine that he actually used? Yes. Well, I, I don't want a modern invention like flying machine. You see? Uh, Gracie? Um, the, uh, the witch, you know, at Halloween? Yeah. What's she fly on, Gracie? A broom? Yeah, that's right. That's very good. A broom. Am I right? Now, you better try Icarus. Uh, you're taking a vacation. Uh, Mr. Gunther. Icarus. Uh, Icarus, yes. That's uh, two. Let's have three more. Uh, Grace, you got another one? Uh, um, uh, Santa Claus? Yeah, Santa Claus. <laughs> sure. Santa Claus? <laughs> Pretty good. You're feeling oh, good, Grace. Oh, all right, Mr. 
<laughs> Mr. Kieran? Well, uh, <clears throat> Daedalus flew with Icarus, but we'll pass that up. How about uh, Phaeton, who uh, borrowed uh, Apollo's car and fell down through the heavens? Yeah, that's right. What happened to him? He was burned up. Burned up to a cinder. That's right. That gives us four. I ought to get one more, I think. Uh, Mr. Adams. Large portion of Clusium. Say, there's a fine class for a... <laughs> Large portion of Clusium. What did he fly on, Mr. Adams? Sat in his ivory car. And, and, he, and he flew? Did he, he fly? He flew around the track. In oh, he flew around the track. But he didn't fly up in the air, did he? No. No, but I mean a man who flew all the way up in the air. Uh, Gracie? I know another one. I bet you do. You know, he had that, that carpet and he went... Yeah, who was that? That, that, that carpet man. Um, uh, <laughs> don't tell me. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say word, Gracie. Um, Just let me get you nervous, Gracie. That's all no, I No, I, I don't know. I, wait I know you know it. Carpet, rug, flying carpet, magic carpet. Alibaba. Oh, right. Alibaba and his magic carpet. That's five, of which Miss Allen got uh, two out of the five. That's oh. pretty good. All right. Three out of the five. I beg your pardon. The next question from Seahorn of Newark, New Jersey. This has to do with recent news events. Uh, what recent news event is suggested by each of the following? There are three, and I'm going to ask you to get two of them. If I say the phrase silk underwear, uh, hmm. what does that recall to the minds of those of you who have read the newspapers recently? Silk underwear. Uh, Macy's basement? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice plug for Macy's basement. That's <laughs> uh, not exactly a recent news event, but otherwise very intelligent remark, Gracie. Uh, Mr. Gunther. A rather far-fetchedly uh, boycott of Japanese goods. Uh, yes, Which has a... been in the news in connection with the Tencent thing. Uh, that might do, but I think there's something rather more specific. Uh, recently, I think just a couple of days ago, some prisoners in Kansas revolted because the warden put a stop to their buying silk underwear in the prison commissary. Doesn't he mean that, Warden? That's right. Now, uh, that uh, you got wrong, I'm sorry to say. Though, Mr. Gunther, that was a, a undoubtedly an approximate answer. Now, see if you can get the next two. A banquet in Nanking. A banquet in... Mr. Gunther. Oh, that's where a group of uh, Chinese puppets working for the Japanese were poisoned by loyal Chinese. Uh, you happen to... You, you know that? Yes. I see. I think I know it. Uh, what happened to them? Were they killed? They any? didn't die because after uh, two minutes uh, uh, swallowing, they decided that uh, what they were eating didn't taste very good, and, and uh, they stopped eating. I see. But that's what uh, comes of trying to swallow China, no doubt. Mr. <laughs> All right, that's correct. An ocean liner with only 40 passengers. An ocean liner with only 40 passengers. I know an ocean liner with 900... Uh, yes, I know that one too, but I'm going to uh, bargain you down to 40 this evening. Mr. Adams. Mauritania. Uh, what is the... Uh, how did it happen to have only 40 passengers? I don't know. Maybe it's coming over here with only 40 passengers. That's a fine guess. It's totally wrong, Mr. Adams. Totally wrong. Sorry. It's the only boat I've heard of recently. <laughs> no, the answer is, uh, Mr. Kieran, did you have... How about it? the ship taking the king and queen back to England? That's quite right. Why didn't you say that for Mr. Adams? Uh, Never thought gave of us it. a little bit of information. I think we'll call that The right. Empress of Britain. The Empress of Britain. That's right, Mr. Adams. You knew it all along. All right, we did get uh, two out of three on that. Now, the next question is all about famous warnings. It comes from Daisy Stevenson of Denver, Colorado. Famous warnings. Who was warned against alpine climbing? Who was warned against alpine climbing? Uh, Mr. Kieran. The youth who bore in snow and ice, the banner was a strange device, Excelsior. That's and he was worth Do you remember the warning, Mr. Kieran? 
Oh, that's a very sad warning. I'd hate to spoil the evening by reciting it. You couldn't spoil the evening The night for me, falls Mr. thick and fast and it's snowing and all that sort of thing. Right, that's right, dear. And try not to pass, the old man said, dark lowers the tempest overhead and so forth. That's one warning correctly. Got who was warned against widows? Who was warned against widows? Mr. Curran. Uh, Mr. Uh, in Pickwick Papers, uh, the old right. gent that drove the, uh, the coach yeah, warned uh, Mr. Pickwick against vitters. Uh, no, he didn't warn Mr. Pickwick. He warned his son. Yes. That's uh, Tony right. Weller. Sam Evil. Sam, uh, Sam, Sam Weller was warned by his father, Tony. Do you remember the actual words in which he warned him against uh, Mr. Adams? Beware of vitters. There's <laughs> 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 approximately that. Be very careful of vitters all your life said the elder Weller to the younger Weller. And this, uh, at this point, I might recall one of your classic remarks about widows, Mr. Adams. May I recall it? Uh, I'd love to have you. What was it? A little widow is a dangerous thing. Oh, I didn't, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> Isn't that yours? I quoted it. Oh, but you didn't put the quotes in when you uh, said it on yes, one of the programs did. some time ago, did you? I've always thought it was yours, Mr. Adams. Who was warned against a particular day of the month? Uh, Mr. Curran. Julius Caesar, beware of the Ides of Mars. Yes, and what uh, day of the month is the Ides of Mars? Well, uh, there's a Latin professor in the audience here, and we have to be very careful about this. I'm not the worried about The calendar has been changed. The Ides now are popularly supposed to be uh, the 15th of the month, but I don't believe they were uh, uh, that in, in uh, Latin days. Yes, they were. I think they were. Mr. Adams is also a classical student. If he says he can argue enough. with the Latin professor after this is over. <laughs> March 15th, the Ides in March, of July, October, May, the Ides are on the 15th day. That sounds like English to me. We're talking about Latin. What a memory they both have. Of course, March 15th is also the day on which uh, luckier persons pay their income tax, so that's a warning for a great many of them. That's three warnings out of three. Who was warned against staying out too late? Who was warned against staying out too late? Gracie, do you, do you have an answer? Um. Who wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, Don't let Mr. Adams intimidate you, Gracie. Rip Van Winkle? Rip Van Winkle. Who was no. Him? Gracie, you got me all confused. Um, oh, I know. Oh, I know you Um, uh, Cinderella. Oh, that's right. Cinderella. That's right. That's, uh, four that's warnings out of four. Uh, Gracie, uh, when are you going to step back into character and get some of these wrong, anyway? The next question from S. Rogers of Chicago, Illinois. Very serious question about our relations with the Far East. What have each of the following Americans, there are four of them, contributed to our economic and political relations with the Far East. The first is Matthew C. Perry. Uh, Mr. Gunther? Uh, he uh, was the commodore of the American ship which uh, opened Japan after it had been closed to the world for 240-odd years. Yeah, and he thereby precipitated considerable history. He opened it? a good deal. He opened up a good deal, yes. Uh, John Hay. John Hay. He enunciated right, the open-door policy. What does that mean, exactly? It means freedom of opportunity for uh, foreigners of all nations to trade in undeveloped territories like China. Yes, and is the open door still open? With the Japanese have closed it, as a friend of mine said, so that you can't even see a chink in it. <laughs> <laughs> in quotes, that is. Uh, yes, yes, I know. We'll ascribe that to somebody. <laughs> uh, Charles E. Hughes. Charles E. Hughes. Uh, Mr. Gunther again. Well, he was uh, the American Secretary of State during the Washington Conference, which resulted in the Nine Power Treaty. What does uh, that mean? What does the Nine Power Treaty mean? That was an attempt to uh, guarantee the territorial integrity of China uh, on the part of all the interested powers. Yeah. Japan signed it, but uh, hasn't uh, uh, respected it uh, altogether. 
No, not not entirely. Not entirely. And Henry L. Stimson, uh, Mr. Gunther. Again. The doctrine of non-recognition. Uh, in 1932, the Japanese took Manchukuo. Uh, Mr. Stimson decided that he would not recognize that that seizure was legal. And we still hold to the principle that we do not uh, uh, accept uh, seizures of territory uh, by means that contravene the Kellogg Pact. Well, actually, technically, Manchukuo hasn't been seized, has it, by Japan? Uh, well, uh, they use strange language out there. They call it an, an incident. Uh, when it's a war, and, and they call it a pacification operation when, yes. it's, a camp, when, it, when it's a campaign. Uh, of course, it's uh, not part of Japan, Manchukuo, is it? Uh, oh, it's a puppet state under Japanese domination. Yes. Uh, but ac- actually, uh, technically, it hasn't been uh, annexed at all. No, the Japanese simply took it. No. Now, Gracie, uh, <laughs> now, Gracie, have you been listening to this? Yes, I have. Oh, all right, now we have no more questions like that. He's very good. He too. is, isn't he good? <laughs> very good. <laughs> He's very good. Thank you, madam. He writes great big books, Gracie. Does he? Yeah, oh, he's quite a man. The next uh, question from Dorothy B. Hussey of Maywood, Illinois, has to do about babies. Oh. Babies. You like that, Gracie. <laughs> Gracie's getting right into the spirit of this one. I'm going to ask you to quote three lines of poetry about babies, three separate lines of poetry. Um, Gracie, do you know a line of poetry? A about song like, maybe? Oh, a song like? I know maybe? all the songs. <laughs> That's right, you do know songs. You want to sing it for us? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I thought I'd have to Rock a bye, baby, on the treetop when the wind blows that one. Yeah, that's very good. I know another one. Do you? Yes, sir, that's my baby nose. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, two. Can you sing, uh, sing us a third, Mr. Adam? You sing two. Baby's bolts the silver moon. That's good, yeah. Yeah, you like that, Gracie. Yeah, Mr. Adams is very good in these popular songs, too. Only his memory reaches further back than yours. Does. Pretty baby. Beg pardon? There was a song called Pretty Baby. How does it go? I don't know. Pretty, 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 pretty Baby. Pretty Baby. Pretty Baby. I can't keep them quiet. I can't keep that duet quiet. <laughs> Won't George be proud of me, though? Uh, <laughs> George is very proud of you, I'm sure. Mr. Karen, what you have to say? Have you got them all? Uh, that gives us three. Want to give us another one about babies? Mr. Karen's off at the turn. Well, I know one. Still? Yes. Well, all right. Sell it to me. Oh, On parents' knees, a naked newborn child, thou wept while all around thee smiled. So live that sinking to thy last long sleep, thou then mayest smile while all around thee weep. That's by, mainly from, by the name of Jones from the Sanskrit of Kalidasa. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Now, Mr. Kieran, you have brought this program up to an impossibly high level. I don't know how I'm going to get it down. I'll let it down. (laughs) Suppose we uh, stop there for a moment. Uh, Let's see now. We uh, have no stumps at all. And while our experts are fanning their red faces, Mr. Milton Cross has just a few words to say. I'll get him on a little later. Thank you, Mr. Fatherman. The other day, a friend in the travel business sent me a large assortment of attractive folders. Each of these brochures tried to lure me away from information, please, by describing in polished prose so many smart vacation centers. Being ever attentive to duty, I noted mentally that in every one of these famous resorts, the fortunate travelers would probably soon be quenching their summer thirsts with frosty cool glasses of ginger ale. For it actually is smart to drink ginger ale. Smart not only in the sense that it's fashionable, but also that it's a wise way of taking cooling refreshment. 
Continuing through the travel folders, I had the gratifying thought that the ginger ale most in demand would be Canada Dry. For it was Canada Dry which first popularized pale dry ginger ale. And for many years it has been famous for its sparkle and distinctive flavor, the flavor and bouquet of the choicest Jamaica ginger. So it's smart to drink ginger ale as a refresher, and doubly smart to drink Canada Dry, the champagne of ginger ale. Thank you, Mr. Cross. Your brief discourse was clocked in exactly 66 seconds. Now, the next question from Irving Nassau of New York City has to do with double talk. I think all of you know what double talk is. For example, uh, uh, the kind of cigar that Mr. Adams does not serve me at his house, but which corona, he Corona, Corona. Right, Mr. Adams. That's double talk. Corona, Corona. <clears throat> oh, I'll give you another example. A, a, uh, a certain kind of bullet. Dum-dum. Yes. Why didn't you get that, Gracie? That really is up your alley. Dum-dum. Uh, yes, that's right. Thank you, Mr. Adams. Now, I'm going to ask you to give me double talk on a song. A song. How about it? Mr. Adams. C-C-C. C-C-C. Just a penny serenade. Well, isn't that what it's called? Just a penny, a penny serenade? Oh, the name, the title of the song? be the title, yes. Double talk in the title itself. have to get uh, uh, four of these. have to get all of them. What kind of song? Old song, new yes, song? Yes, old song, new song, middle-aged song. As long as it's a song. Yeah, as long as it's a song, Gracie. That's all. That's all. Are you thinking, Gracie? Oh. What is that you're doing over there? I'm thinking like anything. I know a town, Walla Walla. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. Is yeah. that a town? You don't know Baden Baden, though, do you? Yeah. Hip, hip. Hooray. Oh, no, I don't think Thank so. Thank you, Mr. Gunther, but we've got to get a song. Oh, oh I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Bula Bula. How about that? College okay. song? That's very good, Mr. That's good, isn't it? I didn't think you knew it. No. Of course, I have these things down on a card, Gracie. I don't want you to, to get any false ideas of them. Any more than I want to get any false ideas of you, Gracie. Mm-hmm. Now, a cracker. A cracker. Cracker in double talk. Famous cracker. Not so good on double talk. Uh, Zuzu. Ever hear of Zuzu? Oh, that's a snap. You ought to have gotten that one. Oh. <laughs> Zuzu. An insect. An insect. CT. Okay, Mr. Gunther, that's right. CT, what does it do to you? It gives you sleeping sickness if yeah. you're unlucky. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's one right. A school of art and literature in double talk. Uh, Mr. Kieran? Dada. Dada, what is it? Oh, baby talk. <laughs> <laughs> you mean walk to Dada? <laughs> Mr. K- Mr. Kieran, you, you tell uh, Gracie what Dada really is. I've looked at it for years and I don't know. <laughs> I-, I want you to give the Gracie something to take home with her. Uh, what is Dada? I- I give us a, 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 a simple explanation of it. Well, I think they take all the colors on the palette and throw them with a uh, buckshot or some kind of thing. Throw them just on there and then uh, think up a title and hang it upside down. That's isn't that Dada. Isn't Gracie, isn't that the sort of thing you is do in your spare time? No. No? What sort of paintings do you uh, make? Oh. Oh, did you see my paintings? No, I didn't. I didn't. Don't They're very good. Part. <laughs> they really what? They're, they're not like what Mr. Kieran no, said, Dada. No, no, I'm sure they're not. A school of art and literature is Dada. We only got two out of four on that. That's going to cost Canada Dry $10. I know the answer to that one. What one? Yeah, Canada Dry won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. <laughs> Something you want to say, Grace? No. No? All right. Uh, the next question from W.W. W. Grieve of Perry, New York. Mr. Grieve asks the following. Can you name any Republicans who have served two full terms as president since the Civil War? Uh, you have to think on this one. Just run through the presidents, gentlemen, and Gracie. 
Well, Washington, Gracie, uh, came before the Civil War. Oh. <laughs> don't, let, uh, don't let me get you down, Gracie. No, I won't. No, no. I'll get it. It's a tough one. I'll give you another five seconds. Mr. Adams, did you... I don't have... think there were any. Uh, I'm sorry. There was only one. General Grant? Yes, that's right, but I'm afraid that uh, I supplied the answer. Or rather, that Mr. Adams uh, supplied the wrong answer. That's quite right, Mr. Gunther. really ought to give you credit. Ulysses S. Grant was the only one who uh, was president from 1869 to 1877. And if you go through all the other presidents, which probably Gracie's been doing in her head during the last 30 seconds, you won't find any Republican who has served two terms. Well, Mr. Grieve is going to get $10... Uh, owing to the impetuosity... Thanks to me. ...of Franklin P. Adams. That's right. Uh, G. Moss of this city sends in an interesting question about the movies. Answer each of the following questions with the title of a current movie. For example, if I said, Who is Bad Farewell? What would the answer be in terms of the title of a current movie? Who is Bad Farewell? Any Goodbye, you... Mr. Chips. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Mr. Gunther. Very good. All right, that uh, is just an example. Now we have four... What is, uh... Doesn't that count again? Yes, that was, that was just to, uh, you know, give us the idea, Sam. What is Tarzan's discovery? Uh, Gracie, do you know here, that one? Here comes the sun. No. I found uh, about a sun. Yeah. I, I found a sun. Yeah. Let's have another sentence. The way these things pour out of your mouth, Gracie, is a caution. Go ahead. He so, finds the sun. Yeah, who does? It's old Tarzan. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Tarzan finds a sun. What's the weather across the Atlantic? Title of a movie which would answer that question. What's Lost the... Horizon. Uh, you stick to that, do you, Mr. Gunther? Not quite apt enough, I don't think. It's a play on Broadway, didn't it, that picture? No, no, no. Wait a minute, no, no. Don't pump me, Gracie. Don't pump me. Well, you me. could just say yes, sir, yeah. Uh, uh, something about um, clouds over Europe. Sure, it is clouds over Europe. It is clouds over Europe. Oh, thanks. Uh, what, uh, what flower is obtainable south of Fifth Avenue? What flower is obtainable south... Mr. Gunther. A rose of Washington Square. Very good. You've been to the movies lately, Mr. Gunther. Not for three months. Well, these are current pictures. How do, what do you get them by? I read the papers. Uh, uh, fourth and last, where can you find Bing Crosby and Joan Blondell? No cracks, crazy. Well, I know. Uh, do you know? Yes. Is it, uh... West side of heaven, east side of heaven. East side of heaven, yes, yes. East side's more fashionable. East side of heaven, that's right. That's very good, may I say. That's very good. Thought I'd catch him on that. The next question from N. Paulson of Atlanta, Georgia, has to do with old-time songs. I'm going to ask you to complete the following lyrics from these old-time songs. You can sing them if you care to. Later on, we'll take a Gallup poll of our listeners and see whether they care for it. <coughs> the uh, first is, I won't sing it. All at once, he sent me around a note. Here's the very note. This is what he wrote, Mr. Curran. Can't come today. Uh, uh, that's uh, left me at the church. Waiting uh, at the church. Waiting at the church. That's right. Well, Mr. Jeremy Adams, together. Got it. Uh, this is what he wrote. Uh, I can't, can't come get, today. Can't get away. Can't get away to marry you today. My wife won't let me. That's right, Mr. Jeremy. <laughs> One right. Now, uh, I could hear the dull buzz of the bee in the blossoms, as you said to me. How does it go on? Mr. Adams. In the shade of the old apple tree. You knew that too, Gracie, eh? Mr. Adams, you want to thank Gracie for helping you out on the on the vocal. I think the thanks are on the other foot. 
Uncross your feet, Grayson. Thanks around the other foot. Uh, the next one, and the last. She's the only girl I love with a face like a horse and buggy leaning up against the lake. Sounds as if Gracie... Oh, fireman, out. save my child. That's right. That's right. That's three out of three. Very hard to stump them this evening. The next one, from Florence B. Duke of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, this is about a race. The following birds were flying a race. In what order would they finish? Now, Mr. Kieran, now, Mr. Kieran, after that woodpecker episode, I'm no fool, you know. I'm, I'm not going to argue. If you give me the answer to this question, I'm going to accept it as gospel truth. The following birds were flying a race. In what order would they finish? A crow, a duck hawk, also called a peregrine falcon, I believe. Falco peregrinus, that's right. Uh, that's all right, Mr. Kieran. And, uh, and the golden eagle. In what order would they finish? A crow, a golden eagle, and a, a duck. A duck hawk would be the fastest, I mean. A golden eagle probably would be next, and the crow probably would be the slowest. That's quite right. That's quite right. Now, that's what I have down here. No, no arguments tonight. No sir. arguments tonight. Not a woodpecker <laughs> in the house. Very good. About how fast could they travel? Either? Well, uh, a crow ordinarily flies around from 25 to 30 miles an hour. I have 60. No, no, that's thought. wrong. That's wrong. Uh, a duck hawk uh, is... Uh, one of the fastest known birds we have. That might go 60 or even 80 or more miles on a stoop when it's diving. Unless it was going as the crow flies. Yeah. And then it was slow. <laughs> an eagle would go about uh, 35 miles an hour. You're so. awfully conservative. I have 170 to 180 miles. Oh, that's all, that's all right. That's all right. Where'd you, well, you get that out of the farmer's almanac? No, I got that. <laughs> I got that out of the Bulletin Essex County Ornithological Club, Volume 12, 1930. Typographical error. The whole thing? <laughs> As for your golden eagle, which you say goes only 30 miles an hour, it must be lame, because I have it down here as 120 miles per hour. Oh, boy. You that, don't believe that's That possible. goes with uh, the flying carpet that Gracie had out a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the answer correct, of course, Mr. Kieran. We may have uh, time for one or two more. This one from Lauren L. Davis of Chatham, New Jersey. How do the following islands figure in international affairs? Guam. How did that figure recently in international affairs? Mr. Gunther. Oh, well... Uh... We decided to fortify it, and then uh, the House of Representatives decided that we shouldn't fortify it, so we, we haven't. It's one of the islands on the Pan-American route to the Pacific. Yes. How about our land, which I no doubt mispronounced? Oh, it's in the Baltic, and there, it was the scene of an old dispute between uh, Finland and Sweden, something that's been dragging on since 1920 or so. Yes. Uh, uh, what, uh, how did Russia and Germany recently come into the our land question? Well, because they're both extremely interested in... Uh, the future of naval power in the Baltic, and apparently these islands would be an excellent base. That's the fortification. Uh, Enderbury and Canton. What? Enderbury oh, and Canton. Oh, those are the two islands uh, on the route between the Pan-American Trans-Pacific route and the projected new route down to uh, New Zealand, and there was some question as to their sovereignty between Great Britain and the United States, That's and it correct. was amicably adjusted. Three out of three, you know that stuff, Mr. Gunther, absolutely cold. That brings our losses up to $20, and as usual, we'll hear from Mr. Cross before I tell you about next week's guest. Earlier in the program, I mentioned it's smart to drink Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Well, I should add, it's also smart these hot summer days to keep your refrigerator well-stocked with sparkling Canada Dry water. For this fine club soda makes your favorite hot weather drink taste better, have more life and sparkle, and retain its sparkle for a good long time. You'll find Canada Dry water is not only an ordinary club soda. It's not an ordinary club soda. It's a sparkling water made by a special formula to ensure perfect blending. So next time you order club soda, be sure to ask for Canada Dry Water. And you'll find it served at all leading clubs, restaurants, and hotels. Thank you. And Gracie Allen. Brilliant, Gracie. Brilliant. And John Gunther. Accept Canada Dry's thanks for joining this evening in our innocent merriment. And uh, next week, the reliable Adams-Levant-Kieran combination will be batting them out. 
And also on deck, as our guest of honor, will be one of the most distinguished experts we've ever had. A man known as literary historian, as an artist in prose, as a great teacher, and as the ex-governor of Connecticut, Wilbur L. Cross. To all you listeners, we say, please send your questions along. If you have a stumper to stump our board of experts, let's have it. There are $5 in it for you if we use your question, and another 10 if we fail to answer it correctly. So you can win 15 in all. Send your letters with questions to Information, Please, 1 Pershing Square, New York City. Among the host of Canada Dry Beverages, you are bound to enjoy these summer favorites. Canada Dry Tom Collins Mixer and Canada Dry Lime Ricky. Both made with a genuine fruit base and the finest ingredients. No preservatives or artificial flavoring. So for cooling, tall drinks with a lemon flavor, order Canada Dry's Tom Collins Mixer. For a lime flavor, insist on Canada Dry Lime Ricky. The family size is economical, costing only 15 cents. This is Milton Cross saying... This next one um, is called It Pays to Be Ignorant, and folks, it really does. The more ignorant you are with this show, the better off. <laughs> and it's so funny, these people, they, they just keep you just roaring with laughter. <laughs> and yesterday I was caught between laughing and coughing, and <laughs> I just about got strangled. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, like you, you be listening to it, Oh, and the the title of this show is "What Is an Inhospitable Dog?" And but we never did find out. And and you may be asked a question on that show, but you may or may not get the answer. <laughs> it just lot, largely depends on how silly everybody is. But uh, the one question that they asked yesterday that. Uh, uh, I got the answer too right away, and I'm sure many of y'all would too, but they were talking about, uh, what other you, what else can you use a salad fork for? And of course the answer is desserts. And, um, so, but none of them, <laughs> it just went, it just got away from them. Everybody just started saying stews and soups and, Things that they really, you know, that they really knew better than that, but, uh, cause who can eat soup with a little bitty fork? But, <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was funny and, and I, I think you guys will like it. I hope so. I did. It was funny. And, um, while you're listening to this one, go out and get your snack if you want to have one. Um, I think I'm going to have some. Um, strawberry cheesecake ice cream. Yay! What is a hospitable dog? One that will give you a bite anytime. Correct. Pay that man eight dollars. Why do young women put their hair up in paper? To wake up curly in the morning. Correct. Pay that man nine dollars because... It pays to be ignorant. As living proof to all you servicemen and women listening in over there that it does pay to be ignorant, here's another half hour with radio's biggest collection of zanies, the incomparable wits, George Shelton, Lulu McConnell, and Harry McNaughton, our doctor of music, Nat Novick, and the man who sticks his neck out every week at this time, our moderator, Tom Howard. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, here we are again with that question and answer program that never gets the answers. 
We have a board of experts who are so dumb they think a steam shovel is used to shovel steam. First, we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled The Return of Nylons or Standing Room Only. But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. Thank you. I have a poem, Mr. Howard. Yeah. Some girls neck in cars, that's true, but lots of others won't. In fact, compared with those who do, the woods are full of those who won't. Thank you. Very clever. How did you ever write that? I copied it off an old tomato can. I see. Next, we have a woman who has so many wrinkles in her forehead, she has to screw her hat on. A woman, a woman who swears she's never been kissed, and that's why she swears, Miss Lulu McConnell. You know, Mr. Howard, my old man is saying the nicest things to me lately. That's nice. Like last night, he said, Lulu... He always calls me Lulu. I see. He said, Lulu, you're just like Betty Grable, Lena Turner, and Hedy Lamar, all wrapped up in one. <laughs> that beautiful? No, that big. Oh. <laughs> ah, your father's mustache. Yeah. <laughs> your grandmother's goatee. <laughs> Next, we have that great FBI man, foolish, bald, and ignorant. A man who is such a crook, he goes around picking pockets of pool tables... Mr. George Shelton. I'd like you to know, Mr. Hart, my name is George D. Shelton. D. What's the D for? Disappointment. Disappointment. <laughs> my parents wanted a baby. I see. <laughs> now that you've met the experts, we'll get right on with the first question. Here it is. In what city in New York State is mentioned in the picture, Saratoga Trunk? Oh, I was in that picture, Mr. Howard. Now, wait a minute. I saw that picture. I didn't see you in Saratoga Trunk. When did you see Saratoga Trunk? Last Wednesday afternoon. Oh, no wonder. I was out delivering the trunk. I see. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I was in that picture, too. You were in it. I didn't see you. Where were you? Oh, I was in the trunk. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was in that picture, Saratoga Trunk. Uh, you, too? Yeah. What, what were you in the picture? She was the trunk. Oh. <laughs> was bulgy. All right. Let's get back to the question. What city in upper New York State is mentioned in the picture Saratoga Trump? Mr. Hart, is it a large city? Well, uh, I wouldn't say it was a large city. Why? Why wouldn't you say it was a large city? Well... You can it... say it if you want to. You're among friends. Yeah. But... You made an incision there that it wasn't such a large city. And then... Now, come on. Speak up like a man. Don't be a dumb cluck all your life. Why? Why? Why were you born? You know, that's funny. My mother used to ask me that. Miss <laughs> McCown, did you see the picture? No, I did not. By the time I get supper over and wash the dishes, it's time for bed. You wash the dishes? Yeah. Uh, how about the maid? Oh, she washes herself. Oh, yeah. Please, please. What city has mentioned the picture Saratoga trunk? Say, Miss McDonald, you know, I saw you coming out of the movies the other night. Yeah? Yeah, then all of a sudden you rush right back in again. Yes, and was I embarrassed. Yeah, <laughs> what was the matter? Well, you see, I sat on a wad of chewing gum, and I had to go back to get my pants. <laughs> so the policeman said to me... Never mind. Say, you know, I see where a movie actress got married in Hollywood last week. She did? And she knows she likes her husband so much, she's holding him over for a second week. I see. <laughs> Will you please... <laughs> Will you please get back to the question? What city is mentioned in the movie Saratoga Trunk? I'll give you a hint. Yes. The city is famous for its racing. Mr. Howard, who ever heard of a city racing? I have. You've heard of a city racing? Sure. Racine, Wisconsin. Racine, Wisconsin. Very clever. <laughs> Racine. <laughs> Racine, Wisconsin. All right. <laughs> 
I don't get it. No. <laughs> no, you get it. Don't you see racing? Racing look, with... Mr. Sheldon, please, don't look now, but there's a big dope standing in your shoes. Yeah, how do they feel? They're a little tight. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about horse racing. Oh, Mr. Howard, speaking about horses, my brother had a nasty accident. A horse ran away with him. He's been laid up for over six months. My brother ran away with a horse. He's been laid up six years. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, stop. <laughs> Mr. McNaught, will you tell me what you're laughing at? Mobile, Alabama. Mobile, She was eating soup and four couples got up and did the rumba. I imagine. Yeah. Very musical, so they I imagine. Paid her and gave it... Look, can we get back to the question, please? What do you eat with a salad fork? Do you know, Mr. Sheldon? No, I never use a fork. You uh, never use a fork when you eat? Why should I? If the food isn't clean enough to pick up with your hands, it's not clean enough to eat. I see. <laughs> I 
know me, Emily Post. You know your Emily Post. Well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Sheldon, like one. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Sheldon, tell me, do you li- do you like soup? Oh, I like alphabet soup, Mr. McNaughton. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other night I ordered some alphabet soup, but I had to send it back. Yeah, what? There, there was a naughty word in it. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, Mr. Shelwine, I dropped down to your level. Look, let me take it this way. Suppose I was having Miss McConnell for dinner. You having Miss McConnell for dinner? I would. You'd have to get a big oven, wouldn't you? I see. <laughs> I, wish I wish you'd stop roasting Miss McConnell. Ah, uh, never mind the puns, Mr. Sheldon. The question st- is, what do you eat with a salad pork? The question is on deportment. Oh, deportment. I've got a brother with the police department. With the police department. <laughs> Why don't you go into a dark room someplace? Your brain needs developing. You know, I had a swell dinner the other night, though. It was a deluxe dinner. A deluxe dinner? Yeah, but you, if you didn't like the looks of it, you didn't have to eat it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I liked it, and I ate it. I see. Uh, I see. That, the only thing I like better than food is something to eat. I see. Uh, well, I don't know what's the matter with me lately. Everything I eat tastes like beans. Yes? Well, what, have you, what have you been eating? Beans. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, perhaps that's the reason. Well, you have three scatterbrains try and make an effort to answer the question. Yeah, what was the question? What do you eat with a salad fork? Oh, that old question. Oh, that old question. (laughs) You know, I was at a dinner last week. Lots of movie stars were there. But I couldn't get the whole idea of the dinner. No? Just what do you mean? Well, you see, Betty Grable put the food on the table. Yes. And Gypsy Rosalie took everything off. Ah. What are you laughing at? Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, please, cut it out. Now we come to our contestants. While Mr. Roberts is getting the folks up here, we're here from that orchestra of ours. An orchestra whose music sounds like when they blow in their instruments, they stutter. Here they are, Dr. Novick and his Philmoronics. Dr. Novick.
I'm somewhat confused here, Mr. Roberts. What is this? Is that the same orchestra? Yeah, the same orchestra, only different musicians. Different musicians? Mm. But tell me, boy, that's a treat. That sounds good. Mm, no wonder they're playing with instruments tonight. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, no kidding, folks. Uh, we had several letters from uh, people all over the country wanting to know if the orchestra could play halfway decent. So, Mr. Novick has played a piece through straight without twisting it all around. So we hope we've satisfied those listeners that sent in requests. And thank you, Dr. Novick. It was very pretty. I Even I liked it. It was all right. <laughs> Who was our first contestant, Mr. Roberts? Our first guest of the evening, Mr. Howard, is Warren D. Brown of the United States Army. Good. Good evening, Mr. Brown, and Peter thank you for coming up. We're glad to have you. Uh, how do you feel, sir? Okay, Mr. Howard. Good. Where's your hometown, would you care to tell us? Wallington, New Jersey. Wallington, New Jersey. Good. Well, Wallington, New Jersey? Well, feed me baby food and call me Diet Smith. Uh. <laughs> I, I used to work in that town. Yeah, I was a bombardier on a freight train. You... You were a bombardier on a freight train? Yeah, I used to go over the train with a club and shout, Bums away! <laughs> Let me shout it. Why don't you go home? Your cage must be aired by this time. Pay no attention to him, Mr. Brown. What do you do in New York tonight? Came in to see the city, sir. Oh, I see. Came to take a look at the big city, see if it was still here. Well, that's fine. How long have you been in the service? Two years, Mr. Howard. Two years. Congratulations. Is that the Purple Heart I see there? Yes, that's the one on the right, Mr. Howard. Oh, that's marvelous. That's great, young fella. We're glad... How do you feel now? Very good, sir. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So, you know, Mr. Brown, in the, in the last war, I, I was in the infantry. I, I spent two weeks in the foxhole. Two weeks in a foxhole? Yeah, the fox wouldn't let go. <laughs> How long have you, uh, uh, that is, what did you do before you entered the service? I spent two weeks in the foxhole. Uh, please, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. Fall in the hole and pull the dirt after you, will you please? <laughs> I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Brown, for the interruptions. I said before, what did you do before you entered the service? I worked as an insurance adjuster. Oh, an insurance adjuster. One of those fellows that goes to a place and tells the person whether they're going to get what they asked for or not. Is that right? That's right, Yes, I've met a lot of you guys really at the time. They never believed me. My but brother, you know, Mr. Howard, my brother had an accident policy. He did? Didn't help him a bit. No. He got married anyway. Your brother had a... <laughs> You know, my brother was hauled up before a judge once, mm. and the judge gave him an insurance policy. Uh-huh. 20-year life. 20-year life. <laughs> Must have been an endowment. Well, that's fine. Uh, we're, we're very glad to have you with us tonight. You uh, sure are. What's your first name, honey? Uh, Warren. What? Warren. 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 Oh, I love that name, Warren. That's an only green name. Yes. It is. It's just a sweet... Oh. You say that every <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, you tall, dark... Mm, what's cooking, honey? <laughs> Well, you can just call me Teddy Bear. Yeah. I'm easy to hug. <laughs> and you're just as grizzly, too. <laughs> Mr. Brown, will you reach into the dunce cap there and pick out a question, if you don't mind? Yes. When you get one, would you be kind enough to read it into the microphone, please? What are rubber boots made of? Thank you. <laughs> That's going to be tough. Did you hear the question, what are rubber boots made out of? Mr. Howard, what size are the boots? 
Miss McLaughlin, that has no bearing on the question. What do you want to know the size for? Well, after all, uh, how will I know if I can wear them if I don't know the size? But you don't have to wear them. Well, what else can I do with them? Ah, uh, cut it You're out. right, Mr. Mignon. That guy asked the silliest question. Yes. Wait a minute. Imagine buying a pair of boots and not being able to wear them. Yeah. Maybe a my old man could wear them. How much do you want for them? I, I haven't got any boots. Then how can you sell boots if you haven't got any? That's hard to do, isn't it? Certainly. Mr. Sheldon, remind me to put arsenic in your coffee, will you? How many lumps? How many... <laughs> The question is about boots. Boots. Marching up and down again. Boots. Boots. Marching up and down again. A rag of bone and a chunk of hair. And Laska down by the Rio Grande. Give me that piece of chalk with which you marked the baseball score, and I will draw for you the lovely Madeline upon the barroom floor. <laughs> Has anybody got a piece of chalk? Mr. McNaughton, I'll thank you to shut up. Oh, yes. Now, let's, uh, I shan't say another word. Let's get on with the question. What Mr. are rubber boots made from? Mr. Howard, you didn't thank me. Uh, what do you mean? I didn't thank you for what? You said you'd thank me to shut up, but you didn't keep your word. That's right. You said you'd thank him to shut up. I heard you. All right, Miss McConnell, I'll thank you to keep out of it. Don't believe him, Miss McConnell. He won't thank you at all. See what happened to me? Another false promise. Mr. McNaughton, you drive me crazy. Ha-ha, <laughs> no, you'll have to wait till I get a new car. What? What are rubber boots made of? My Uncle Webfoot has a pair of boots, but they're not made of rubber. What kind of boots are they? Hip boots. Hip boots. <laughs> All right, what are they made of? Hips. <laughs> That's wrong. Well, I can't be right all the time. What do you expect from me? Everything on this program? Look. Answer something yourself once in a while. <laughs> you point me up. Yeah. Take out insurance. He's right here. Now, let me put it this way. Look, we get rubber from the rubber tree. If it wasn't for the rubber tree, we wouldn't have rubber boots. You mean rubber boots grow on trees? Ah, please. Oh, yes, rather. You know, there's nothing prettier than walking through the tropics and seeing a tree full of rubber boots. Rubber boots. <laughs> sort of silhouetted against the palm trees, against the moon. Yeah. With galoshes on the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very beautiful picture. What are you trying to... What are you raving about? Well, you know, funny thing, my Uncle Webfoot, he crossed a rubber tree with a shoe tree. Mm, what did he get? Rubber heels. Miss <laughs> <laughs> McConnell, perhaps you can tell me what they make from rubber. Girdles. Girdles, Mr. Howard, girdles. Well, that reminds me, I must get a new girdle. Yeah. I'm coming out in the funniest places. Yeah. <laughs> Any place you come out is funny.
What are you laughing at now? The actress in Topeka and Santa Fe. What has that got? Oh, please, Mr. Roberts, have we another contestant? Yes, we have, Mr. Howard, and I'm very happy to present her to you, for she's a very lovely and a very charming young lady. She is your home in third class, Rosalie Mazzocchi of the Waves. Thank you, Mr. Roberts. Good evening, Miss Mazzocchi. We're very glad to have you with us. Uh, how are you this evening? Oh, just fine, Mr. Howard. Well, that's great. I'm very glad to hear that. Where's your hometown, would you care to say? Depew. Depew? Where's that up in New York? How do you get to Depew? Well, you go by Buffalo. You go by Buffalo. Why don't you take a train? Why don't you? <laughs> When you were a girl, you went to the pew by ox cart. <laughs> Pay no attention to them. Uh, what are you doing in New York, Miss Mazuka? I work in the Navy Reservation Bureau at 90 Church Street. Down at the reservation. You make reservations for the officers, is that it? Oh, Navy personnel. Navy personnel, mm -hmm. I see. You make reservations when they're traveling or going to Florida and things like that, is that right? Try Pullman coach. Pullman coach and things like that. Well... Uh, would you see me after the show? I'm thinking about taking a trip in the near future. Maybe maybe you can get a reservation. You have nothing to do with Indian reservations. No, that's another subject. You're down at Church Street. Now, Let's I'll... wear Depews are in church, too. Depews. <laughs> that guy thinks of the terrible puns I ever heard. Honey, where do you buy your girdles? Well, you cut it out. Hey. <laughs> Well, you snap out of it, Miss McConnell. I expect you any minute. Yeah. <laughs> hey, pay no attention to her. Pay no attention to her. She's teething for the second time. Now, look, we have a guest standing here. Will you show some respect? We definitely have a nice guest. Yes, she's a very lovely lady. Very charming, very bewitching, alluring, all captivating, right, right. very Miss pleasurable. what makes you flirt? Hubba, hubba. What? Uh, never mind. <laughs> I beg pardon? Never mind the hubba, hubba, hubba. You do that every week. What makes you flirt with every girl you see? <laughs> every girl I see. I mean, all right. How long have you been in the service? Sixteen months. Sixteen months. Well, congratulations. Are you married? No, not yet. Not yet. Have you any post-war plans? Mm -hmm. College. College? Oh, you should go in for something more interesting than that. You're not married. I'm not married. <laughs> well, will you do us a favor? Would you reach into the dunce cap? We're very glad you came up. You're a charming girl. Would you kindly read the question, if you don't mind? <clears throat> what beverage is used to read tea leaves? That's good. What beverage is used to read tea leaves? What? What is used to what? What beverage do they use when they read tea leaves? How can you read tea leaves? There ain't no printing on tea Thank leaves. You. <laughs> Certainly not. Imagine going up to a friend and saying, have you read any good tea leaves lately? <laughs> Silly. I'm talking about reading in the teacup. Reading in a teacup? Wouldn't that be rather crowded? Oh. <laughs> Look. I'm talking about fortune telling. Miss McConnell, have you ever had your fortune told? Sure, but not by tea leaves. No? My fortune teller uses crystal ball with two holes in it. A crystal ball with two holes in it? Yeah, Thursday night she goes bowling. Thursday night. <laughs> you know, some fortune tellers can tell you just when you're going to get married by the bumps on your head. But bumps don't come on your head until after you're married. Can we please get back to the question? I think I'll go to a fortune teller. What would you think, Mr. Howard? Should I try a palmist or a mind reader? Go to a palmist. At least you know you've got a palm. 
You know, I had my fortune told last week. You did? Yeah, she told me I was going to be poor till I was 60. Yeah, then what? Then I'd be used to it. Oh, I see. You know, I can always tell my fortune by neuralgia. Neural- uh, neuralgia. Neuralgia. Yeah. Numerology, he means. Numerology, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that stuff, that numerology. Yeah. I got a lucky number. You have? What is it? Bryant, 9970. <laughs> yes, and if a man answers, it's me. All right, please. My old man had his head red. Yeah, what did she tell him? Get a new head. <laughs> the question is about a beverage. What beverage is used to read tea leaves? They talk about beverages. I tried a new drink last night. Yeah. It was called block and fall cocktail. A block and fall cocktail? Yeah, you drink it, walk one block and fall. <laughs> Mr. Shelton. Mr. Shelton, don't you know alcohol is slow poison? So what? I'm in no hurry. <laughs> when I met my old man, I told him, I said, listen here, sir. Lips that touch liquor shall never touch mine. Oh, what did he say to that? He said, well, give me a glass of beer and we'll just shake hands. <laughs> it pays to be ignorant, starring Tom Howard, Harry McNaughton, George Shelton, and Luna McConnell, with another guest expert and Nat Novick's Rhythm Butchers, will be back to pester you again next week.
Now we have quiz kids, and it just amazes me all the time when I listen to these shows how how quick these kids are and how sharp they are. Uh, they must have had to do a lot of testing uh, to make sure they got kids that would be smart enough to play it. But <laughs> but I know that but they did, and uh, but yesterday. Uh, it was interesting because this episode is called Kids Versus Mothers. And, uh, I, I just really thought the kids were gonna walk all over the mothers, but, uh, actually, um, the mothers did right well for themselves. By the makers of Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer for headaches. Alka-Seltzer for acid indigestion. Alka-Seltzer for cold distress. Yes, when these occasional ailments make you miserable, take Alka-Seltzer for really fast, really effective relief. And now, attention class, listen closely. Here's your first question. If you combine the symbols for molybdenum, thorium, and erbium, what would you have? Say, there's a real puzzler. Did you folks at home get that? And can you answer it? Well, give it a try while we have roll call here in our classroom. And here they are, the Quiz Kids. And now here's the man who fires a battery of questions into the battle of brains and who is sometimes battered down by the answers... Your own chief quizzer, Joe Kelly. Thank you, Franklin Ferguson, and hello, everyone. Well, speaking of battles, we have a real one lined up for you today, friends. It's the Quiz Kids versus Quiz Kids Mothers. Yes, today on Mother's Day, the youngsters here in our classroom are going to match wits with their mothers, and, well, uh, the sparks should fly. It's all in friendly fun, however. If you could see these kiddies, you could tell they're really mighty proud to have Mom attending school this afternoon. You know, just before we went on the air, each youngster gave his mother a beautiful corsage. And I can tell you, the four lovely ladies seated here in front of me look mighty proud and happy, too. Well, let's have roll call right now and identify them. Here we go. Sarah? I'm Mrs. Saul Kupperman, housewife. My husband's a structural engineer. And her son? I'm Joel Copperman, age 11 and 7 eighths. Uh, Mrs. Copperman, I, I don't believe you gave your age. Oh, well, we weren't told to. <laughs> oh, oh, is that so? Well, all right. Well, then we'll just skip it. Next, we have Alma. I'm Mrs. Joe Mullen, housewife. My husband teaches at the University of Chicago. And her son? I'm Mike Mullen. I'm 10 years old and five, in grade 5. Uh, Marcella? I'm Mrs. Patrick Conlon. I'm a housewife, and my husband is an attorney at law. And her son? I'm Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 10 years old and in sixth grade. And Rose? I'm Mrs. Julius Cooks. I'm a housewife, and my husband is employed at Diamond Company. And her daughter? I'm Naomi Cooks. I'm nine years old and in the sixth grade. All right. Now then, uh, which team can answer that first question from Mrs. I.O. Ebert of Washington, D.C.? If you combine the symbols for molybdenum, thorium, and erbium, what would you have? We have about five hands up here, and little Patrick's hand was up first. All right, Pat. Well, molybdenum, molybdenum is M.O. M.O. Thorium is T.H. T.H. And erbium is E.R., so it's mother. That's it's mother right, thing. Patrick. Mother. That's our first question on this. 
Mother's Day. That's good. Of course, uh, we're just joking. There's a lot more to mother than just molybdenum and thorium and erbium. <laughs> well, you knew the answer to that one right off, and that means that Mrs. I.O. Ebert of Washington, D.C. wins a fine Zenith Transoceanic Portable Radio, the most outstanding in its field today. That's the reward that Alka-Seltzer gives to every listener who sends us a question which is used on our program. If your question is answered correctly, you get your fine Zenith Transoceanic Standard shortwave portable radio and a handsome luggage case. If your question is missed, the reward is a magnificent 239.50 Zenith radio phonograph combination. This has the automatic record changer, the new Cobra tone arm, two FM bands, and it's a real beauty. You'll be exceptionally proud of either Zenith radio, so send those questions along, folks. Send them to Quiz Kids Chicago. Well, this question is from Billy Fritz Hellring of West Allis, Wisconsin. If after school you quiz kids were to bring home Little Bo Peep, Little Boy Blue, Br'er Rabbit, and Peter Pan, what one place might you stop to pick them up other than the library or a bookshop? First hand up, uh, Mrs. Mullen. The grocery store. Why do you say it's the grocery store? Peter Pan is peanut butter. Yes. Br'er Rabbit is uh, molasses. Molasses. And what was the other? Little Boy Blue. Oh, that's a rinse, uh, starch, or brewing. Brewing, yes. No coaching the audience. Now, little boy, little Bo Peep is what? Well, that's the rinse, isn't it? Well, no, I remember we have some more hands up there. No, Uh, little Bo Peep is ammonia. That's right, Mrs. Cook. That's absolutely right. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad to see that you know your groceries. (laughs) Yes, sir. Here's our next question. Rosalind Samfield of Memphis, Tennessee, supposes you children had favorite lullabies that your mother sang to you to put you to sleep way back when when you were little children. (laughs) Can you still remember the names after all these years? Patrick? Well, I remember one that uh, I like very much. It's Tura Lura Lura. Oh, that's a dandy. And how about... The Irish lullaby. Uh-huh, that's right. And how about you, Naomi? Well, I remember Brahms' lullaby. Brahms' lullaby? Uh, Watch your chair there, Patrick. Don't fall off. Well, now, uh, Joel? Well, my favorite lullaby is Brahms' lullaby, but my mom never sang me to sleep. (laughs) She never sang you to sleep at all? No. Oh, uh uh-huh. Well, now can you, uh, uh, mothers uh, still remember them and can you sing them for us? With the exception, of course, uh, Mrs. Copperman. Joe said she didn't sing in the speech. How about the, uh, all right, uh, Mrs. Cook? Well, I'll try. Uh, I used to kind of add in some of my own words. (laughs) Well, that's all right. That's perfectly all right. Lullaby and Go to sleep with roses, do, do, do. Go to sleep, they only dear me. <laughs> Go to sleep, dear me. Ah, that's fine. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right, so how about you, Mrs. Common? I'll try to. That's an Irish lullaby. Oh, that's fine. That's all right. Mrs. Mullen? I think Michael liked uh, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky Babe, and um, 
Brown's lullaby, but Mark had a favorite that was really not a lullaby. It's oh. an old uh, Welsh love song, I think. It's called All Through the Night. Oh. And we never knew why he liked it until one time he asked me to sing the piece of candy song. The and piece of I candy song? I found out later that he'd misunderstood the words all the time. He, The first line is... Uh, Sleep, my love, and peace attend thee. Oh. But Mark thought that I was... Baby to candy. So he asked me to sing it like this. All right, let's hear it. Sleep, my love, and peace of candy. <laughs> oh, through the night. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Now, Mrs. Copperman has her hand up. Uh. Well, just as I never thanked him, but he used to sing himself to sleep. Two and two is five, 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 eight, 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 now, here's our next question. Uh, Tom Grishaber of Appleton, Wisconsin, says he often hears Latin expressions used in everyday conversation. He's curious to know just what is the literal translation of these phrases. The first one, uh, alma mater, the literal translation. Mrs. Mullen. Tender mother. Well, uh, you're pretty close, pretty close. To, uh, Mrs. Copperman? Is that old mother? No, no. No, mother is the last word. Mrs. Conlon? I think it's just our mother. No, no, uh, Mrs. Mullen? In Spanish, it would mean soul or spirit, and in Latin, I think it's uh, the the idea of care. Um, well, that's the... Carefulness, that's very, very, tenderness. Very close. It really means foster, oh, foster. mother. That's the literal translation. All right, see if you can get this next one here. Ad lib. Ad lib. What's the uh, literal translation of ad lib, Patrick? Well, that's, that's um, off the record or uh, something like that. It's uh, well, not, a, right not according to uh, schedule. Well, let's see, uh, Mrs. Conlon. To uh, speak freely, I think uh, is the. Uh, well, that's very, very hand. close, uh, Mrs. Mullen. At liberty. Well, at liberty. That's the literal translation of ad lib. That's right. Well, you missed on that. And that means that Tom Grithaber of Avalon, Wisconsin, uh, is going to get one of the big uh, 23950 Zenith radio phonograph combinations from the makers of Alka-Seltzer. Now, uh, Harold Levine of Binghamton, New York, wants us to have some fun with his question. You are to use automobile terms to describe a defeated politician. For instance, you might say, he doesn't have the spark he once had. That's the, that's the idea. Patrick? Uh, somebody threw a, somebody threw a monkey wrench in his wheels of uh, of policy, or its wheels aren't working anymore. <laughs> well, that's a good one for a starter, uh, Mrs. Copperman. He's thinking in the Ford. He's what? He's thinking in the Ford. Oh, he's thinking in the thinking in the Ford. And uh, Mrs. Uh, Cook. Oh, oh I'm sorry, uh, Mrs. Conlon. Uh, he certainly had a muffler put on him. <laughs> I certainly had a muffler put on him. <laughs> that's a dandy, Joel. Uh, out of gas, or you could say he's just tired. Tired, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Mike? Uh, well, well, you might say that, uh, 
Well, if uh, he had been defeated a long time ago, you might say he was an old jalopy. He's an old jalopy. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Well, that uh, bell brings the first question session between the quiz kids and their mothers to a close. And the scores up to now are quiz kids 45 and mothers 60. Well, what do you know about that? Oh, boy. That's nice going, mothers. That's certainly. That's very nice going. But this battle isn't over yet. The quiz kids have a surprise for you. They have arranged to run in an entire fresh team of their brothers and sisters. They brought them along just in case. And now while we get this brother and sister relief team ready for roll call, here is Franklin Ferguson with a special guest. Yes, and she's a typical mother. She's receiving special honors today, but we say she deserves them every day of the year, for she's the mainstay of every household, the person who anticipates the family's wants and needs who supplies their comfort, and who is the mediator in all those little irritating situations that arise. Thank you, Mr. Ferguson. Every mother appreciates those words. But in speaking of those little irritating situations that arise in every household, do you realize how often we mothers need help in straightening them out? Help? Let's see now. You wouldn't mean... Yes, uh... indeed I would mean Alka-Seltzer, as you very well know. Right when the man of the house comes home after a hard day at the office, and he's cross and irritable with a headache. We let Alka-Seltzer help straighten that situation out. Of course it does, and in a hurry, too, right? Yes, that's very true. That's what we like about Alka-Seltzer. It's so dependable, always so fast-acting. Not only for relief from occasional headaches, but for acid indigestion, too. Why, when someone in the family overeats, out comes the Alka-Seltzer bottle. And when someone in the family has a cold... Well, we found that Alka-Seltzer's ABC Cold Comfort Treatment is ever so helpful in relieving so much of the distress. Well, say, I certainly don't have to convince you that it's a good idea to get the extra package when you buy Alka-Seltzer. I know it is, Mr. Ferguson. I always ask for two packages of Alka-Seltzer instead of one. And I can give you the reason in rhyme, too. An extra package on the side keeps the family well supplied. All right, now, here we go with the second half of our contest, and this time, competing against our own mothers, we have Joel's sister. I'm Joel's sister, Harriet Kellerman. I'm 13 years old and in 1A. Uh, Mike's brother? I'm Mike's brother. I'm Mark Mullen. I'm 7 years old and in 7th grade. Patrick's sister? I'm, I am Pat's sister. I'm Sheila Kellerman in 3rd grade. And make you go in first grade. And Naomi's brother. I'm Naomi's brother, George Cooks. I'm 14 years old and in 8A. All right, here we go now with our double board. Uh, Mrs. Merle E. Hoffman of North Manchester, Indiana, points out that mothers oftentimes have very unusual situations to meet in connection with their children. What mother found she could identify her son by his peculiar habit of putting his hand over his face when she touched him? Harriet? Mrs. Canty in The Prince and the Pauper. That's right. The mother of Tom Canty. That's right, honey. Now, what mother sang so poorly in public on one occasion she thought she embarrassed her own son? Uh, no hands up. Mrs. Mullen? I did. You did. <laughs> we almost caught you off guard there, didn't we? Well, what, was that one about the, the Boy Scout meeting? Yes. Uh, I, yes, I understand yes, Mike yes. did a little blushing. Uh, what did Mark think of it? 
Well, Mark said that uh, I hadn't embarrassed him, and I felt all right about it until he said, I just figured nobody would know you were my mother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you sounded all right on that singing question a little while ago, I want to tell you. Now, here's the next question. I'm sure we all enjoy watching for various kinds of birds as they return from their winter migration. But according to Harry R. Smith of Evanston, Illinois, these are there are a number of birds that just stay at home all the year round. Now, can you name any of these stay-at-homes? Mrs. Copperman? Well, we have a robin that stays at our place all, way round, all year round. All year it round, a, a robin? It has its nest in the eaves of the porch. And then we have the cardinal. That stays, too, unusually so, but it does. Uh-huh. Well, uh, both of those are very unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, mine? The owl stays. Yeah, the owl. the uh, pigeon. Uh, yes, the owls and the pigeon, yes. I... And uh, Mrs. Collins? Uh, a sparrow stays around all the time. That's right. And I've seen crows most all the yes, time. Yes, crows do, too. Mm-hmm. All right, and Harriet? Some woodpeckers do, too. Some woodpeckers, that's right. Now then, you'll have to think back quite a few years on this question from Lewis R. Owens of Jacksonville, Florida. Can you name three makes of automobiles that are no longer manufactured? George? There's the uh, Amperson Jackrabbit, yeah. the Briscoe, yeah. and um, the Duryea. The Duryea? Uh-huh. And there's the Duesenberg. The Duesenberg, yes. Yeah. The Auburn. Auburn. The... Um, Okay, the Marmon, the Marion, the, uh, the Moon. The Moon. Uh, I remember all of them very well. <laughs> Go ahead, George. Go on. Um, the oh, Haynes Apperson. The Haynes Apperson. Yeah. And. All right. Well, let's, uh, Mrs. Coverman. Jack Benny's Maxwell. Jack Benny's Maxwell. And an old Essex we used to have. Uh, Essex. And, uh, Mrs. Coverman. Graham Page, I think. Uh, Graham Page and, uh, Mrs. Cook. Ah, uh, the Rio. Is that an old yeah, one? Yeah, the real. And Briscoe. The what? Briscoe. Briscoe. Oh, maybe you don't remember that. No, that was before my time. Mrs. Mollum, what are you going to say? Overland, is that uh, The true? Overland. Uh, uh, George again. The Buckeye and... Uh... The Buckeye? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, somebody in the audience and, remember that one. And the Octomobile. The what? The Octo-Auto, rather. And... Um, what one was that, George? The eight wheels, the octo auto. Oh, the octo auto. Mm-hmm. Oh. Four wheels in the back and four wheels in the front. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> Boy, when you had tire trouble, you really had tire trouble, didn't you? And uh, Mrs. Cook. Uh, how about the Angus? Uh, well, how about it? Just you remember that one? <laughs> the Angus. The Angus. <laughs> All right, Mrs. Coverman. And they're not making these baby Austins anymore. Well, uh, that's true. I guess we could go on. There's about two thousand five hundred of them. I had them all here in front of me. But uh, so here we go with the next question. Mrs. E. F. Foote of Appleton, Wisconsin, thinks that certain characters in mythology have unusual traits that might come in handy for any mother. Can you quiz kids and you mothers suggest any of these advantages that might be useful? Uh, Mrs. Collin? Well, yesterday when I went out to call Pat and Sheila in for dinner, I think I could have used Stentor's voice. He could be heard for a hundred miles. Oh, yes. And then I could use a little bit of King Midas's golden touch with the price of things as they are today. <laughs> oh, there you're right there. And the wisdom uh-huh. of Minerva in settling disputes. Uh, yes. And Mrs. Mullen? Janice could look two ways at once. Well, that's right, yes, uh-huh. If Mother did that, why, she could play bridge and watch the baby at the same time, yeah. Uh, Sheila? Fireman and Bacchus received the magic pictures 
from the gods that was always full of milk, and Mama could use that with three children in the house. Well, that <laughs> she could, yes, sir, and Harriet. And Vulcan could fix anything around the house, and Mercury could run messages. Oh, there's uh, nothing personal in that, uh, in, in so far as your father's concerned. <laughs> I mean, about fixing things around the house. <laughs> Sheila again. Pegasus, the flying horse, Mommy could use that to get places faster, too. That's right, you bet. <laughs> well, now, here's an opera question from H.J. Lillianthal of the Bronx, New York. What opera begins in a boudoir and ends with a reproduction of a certain fair? What opera? Mrs. Conlon? Um... I think that's Martha. That's right, the opera Martha. That's correct. What opera begins in a man's study and ends in a prison? Mrs. Mullen. Faust. Faust, that's absolutely right. Well, now, uh, let's see what... Uh, oh, here's a dandy. Yeah, now, this question is from Miss H.M. Hendricks of Plant City, Florida, and you are to get two on three parts. Name areas of land on the surface of the earth known as greater and lesser. Greater and Lesser. Mrs. Collins? Uh, greater Antilles. That's right. Greater, greater and Lesser Antilles. Antilles. That's correct. Upper and Lower. Upper and Lower. Mrs. Collins. Michigan. Upper and Lower Michigan. Correct. Inner and Outer. Mrs. Collins. Mongolia. Mongolia. You, I asked for two out of three. You gave me three out of three. Well, before we have a try at this next question, here's Franklin Ferguson to question our listeners. Yes, Joe, and I know I'll get all hands up on this one. Here it is, folks. As you're sitting there, relaxing, enjoying the leisure of this fine Sunday afternoon, don't you hate to think of getting up early tomorrow morning and going back to work? And say, it'll be twice as hard if you wake up with an annoying headache. You know, that occasionally happens. And I hope you also know what to do about it. If you've ever tried Alka-Seltzer, you do. That's for sure. Yes, thousands say there's nothing quite like Alka-Seltzer for really fast relief from a headache. The reason is this. Alka-Seltzer is already dissolved when you drink it. That means its pain-relieving ingredient, sodium acetyl salicylate, is really ready to go to work instantly. And because it's in sparkling solution, that effervescent base, Alka-Seltzer, gets there fast, gives fast relief. So it'll pay you to remember, when headache causes grief, misery can be brief. Take Alka-Seltzer for relief. Ask for Alka-Seltzer at any drugstore. Get it in either the 30 or 60 cent size package. And now, mothers, here's where your competition really gets tough. Because the quiz kids are bringing in both teams to compete with you in this last session. And here they are, all eight of them. And that means that you mothers will have to think just twice as fast on this next question. For this question from Jim P. Matthews of Horatio, Arkansas, you are to name women who appear in Shakespeare's plays. And I'll, uh, I'll call on first one team and then the other. And you are to name one character at a time until one team fails to name one. All right, let's go. Women characters found in Shakespeare, and we'll start off with the mother's team first. Mrs. Cook? Ophelia. All right, kids. Portia. All right, mothers. Mrs. Collins? Nerissa. Uh, kids. Naomi? Miranda. Mrs. Copperman? Julia. Joel? Uh, Olivia. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Cook? Hermione. Patrick? Amelia. Mrs. Conlon? Sylvia. Naomi? Catherine. Mrs. Cooks again. Gertrude. All right, Patrick. Lady Capulet. Uh, Mrs. Conlon. Desdemona. Joel. Hermia. Well, we had that before, oh, Joel. There, there was two of them. Uh, oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, no, Helmine. 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 All right, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mullen. Cleopatra. Cleopatra. Pat. I'm a Jean. All right, Mrs. Cook. Viola. Joel. Lady Percy. 
Mrs. Carlin? Gertrude. Naomi? Lady Montague. Mrs. Cupboard? Juliet? Uh, Harriet? Yeah. All right, uh, Mrs. Uh, <laughs> Lady Macbeth? After all, there's only 12 here, you know. Uh, Patrick? Charmian? All right, Mrs. Cupperman? Beatrice? Naomi? One of the witches from Macbeth. Uh, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Connor. We're getting down the bottom of the barrel here. I can Lady see that. Lady Macduff? Uh, Mrs. Connor. Lady Macduff? Lady Macduff? Patrick? Iris? Uh, Mrs. Muller? Olivia? I think we had Olivia yeah, we before. Did. Yeah, I Pretty sure we did. Can you think of another one real quick? Oh, um... All right. Uh, yeah, the other... One of the other witches. <laughs> one of the other witches. All right. All right. Kids, how about... Joel? The third witch. The third witch. I knew that was coming. All right, mothers. We're back to you now. Mrs. Mullen? Rosalind. Rosalind? All right. Uh, Naomi? Hamlet's mother. Hamlet's mother. Uh, Mrs. Cook? Yeah, Rosalinda. Uh, well, it could be. <laughs> I've got a list here as long as that list of cars we had used. It's Rosalind. Huh? It's Rosalind. It's Rosalind, isn't it? Well, yeah. Rosalind, I'm pretty sure it's Rosalind. All right, uh, go. Cecilia. Cecilia. Mrs. Collins. Aliana. Uh, well, now, look, uh, <laughs> this could go on all afternoon. You're, you're all out here just too sharp. That's all there is to it. I think that deserves a nice big half you folks out there. <laughs> Well, uh, to keep peace in the family, we'll just call that a, a tie on that one. <laughs> well, let's have an expression of ideas from both you mothers and children on this subject suggested by Mrs. Frank M. Sherlock of Cranford, New Jersey. Do you believe that children should be seen but not heard? All right, Mrs. Copperman. I think that, it, that children uh, should have a right to be heard and to express their ideas. Uh-huh. But properly. All right, Mike. Well, I think uh, if the quiz kids was going to be here, children should be heard because if they if they if they weren't heard, there wouldn't be any quiz kids. Well, now what do you know about that? Yes, sir. That's right. Now, how about the rest of you mothers? Would you like to get in on this, Mrs. Cook? Well, I'm inclined to agree along those lines. You are? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Patrick? Well, um. Sometimes, some people, I have a, a little habit of going up talking of uh, being heard too much. But, uh, uh, of course, I think, I think that uh, being heard is all right, too. Oh, you're in favor of you, then, in other words, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Collins. Uh, I think children should be trained uh, to be able to express their thoughts when they're asked to do so, or when the occasion arises that uh, in the audience would like to hear what they have to say. Yes, uh-huh. But I don't think that they should be taught to be too forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harriet? I think it depends on the time and the place. The time and the place. I think right. that's very, very logical. And uh, uh, let's see. Here's a uh, little Mark here. Mark, what do you think, Don? I think it's all right if they don't do it too much. It's all right if they don't do it too much. Don, how do you like that? He's a very serious little fellow, too, and he really means it. And Naomi? I think it's all right that children should be heard. You think it's all right? Well, okay. I guess that just about covers that very nicely. Now, let's see. Uh, we all know what names you mothers chose for your children, but Mrs. E.K. Chapman of Brooklyn, Massachusetts, wonders if you could make a good guess at what names are considered first and second in popularity for boys and for girls. Incidentally, uh, if you happen to read the recent Gallup poll on this, you won't have to guess. All right, uh, now, let's see, we have uh, Mrs. Mullen. Her hand is up. John is the most popular boy's name. That's right. That's number one, place mm-hmm. number one. William is second. William is second. That's right. Now, how about the girl? Mary is first. Mary is first. And is it Elizabeth? Elizabeth is second. That's right. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, 
There's the old school bell. And what a contest we've had. The judges will be ready to tell us which is the winning team in just a moment. While we're waiting to find out whether it's the mothers or the quiz kids, here's an important message for all you mothers listening in. Mothers, are you having trouble getting your children and your family to take their vitamins every day? Try giving them one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules. Each one-a-day brand multiple capsule contains all the vitamins for which the amount needed for grown-ups and children has been established. What's more, one capsule every day is all they take. And one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules are low in cost. A full two-month supply for only $2. Ask your druggist for one-a-day brand vitamins. Good for growing children and adults. Remember, for vitamins the easy way, for vitamins the thrifty way, the brand you want is one a day. Well, here's the big news, folks. The final score for the entire battle of brains today, Quiz Kids 134 and Mothers 199. Hooray! <laughs> Well, congratulations, mothers. Bless your hearts. Even with the odds two to one, you fought your way to victory. And believe me, that's some accomplishment. I know all you quiz kids are proud of your mothers. And you children put up a great fight, too. Yeah. Each one of you quiz kids receives a $100 savings bond from the makers of Alka-Seltzer to help you with your future education. And each of you winning mothers receives a lovely Mother's Day gift from the makers of Alka-Seltzer. And here it is. It's the new Z-Net. It's the new Zenet Portable, a product of Zenith Radio Corporation, no larger than your handbag, yet it operates on either battery or house current. It's strikingly beautiful and one that will give you the excellent performance for which all Zenith radios are famous. Well, we were certainly happy to have you mothers with us this afternoon, and we all had a great time. And next Sunday, we're calling back our winners of two weeks ago. That's Joe Copperman, Lonnie Lundy, and Naomi Cooks to compete with two new quiz kids, Noreen Novick, 14, and Whit Humphrey, age 11. And now until next Sunday, when I hope all you listeners will plan to attend school, this is Joe Kelly dismissing class. Goodbye, kids. Goodbye, Mr. Kelly. Goodbye, mothers. Goodbye, Mr. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the Quiz Kids every week, and listen to Alka Seltzer's News of the World every Monday through Friday over most of these NBC stations. This is Franklin Ferguson speaking. Last but not least, I have a show that I have loved ever since I was a kid. Um, but by the time I came along, it was on TV. So, and actually, I like the, um, I like the, um, radio version better than the, uh, TV version, uh, because you, you got more narrative. I mean, sometimes on the TV, if they took one of the dares, you weren't sure what they were doing. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, this one, it's, uh, it's truth or consequences and, uh, hope you like it as much as I did. Um, and I had something else that I was going to say about that, but, uh, maybe it'll come back to me in a minute. Okay. I forgot to tell you that that, that one was my strawberry and whipped cream, um, I need to pay more attention to what I'm doing instead of just sitting here blabbing and carrying on. Uh, but folks, I feel good. I feel better today than I felt in about three weeks. And <laughs> so maybe I am a little bit addle-brained, but, uh, 
you'll just have to love me or leave me. That's all I can tell you. Uh, but this one is, I forgot to tell you that it's called Crackers in the Mouth. And, uh, I don't know why they called it that. I didn't hear anything about crackers, but that's what they called it. And, uh, it, it made me think too of, uh, one time we were in school and we were having, uh, we were having this girl's slumber party. <laughs> and so they wanted to play Truth or Consequences, or we all did. And, uh, but some of them wanted to get right stupid with it. Um, one girl was wanting to stick somebody's head down in the toilet and, uh, our, home ec teacher was there and she wouldn't let that happen and I was glad so <laughs> I went ahead and uh instead of taking the dare I took uh consequences not that I minded taking a dare but I knew the girl that was responsible for that one she could come up with some stuff that was off the wall so uh you know and I'm not going to stick my head in the toilet for nobody <laughs> but Enjoy, and I'll be back in just a few minutes. Put those in your washing machine. Take your clothes out bright and clean. When you does your wash, you'll sing. D-U-Z does everything. Hello there. We've been waiting for you. It's time to play Truth or Consequences. Consequences, the show that does everything on the air, brought to you by Does, the soap that does everything in your wash. And here he is, the one fellow who knows who Miss Hush is, your Truth or Consequences man, Ralph Edwards. <laughs> oh, thank you, Harlow Wilcox, and greetings, party players. How does you do? Well, Ralph, since you asked us, we does fine. We does right down the wash line, cause... One of the best informed audiences in radio, Harlow. Really, I wonder if they're well informed enough to know who Miss Hush is. We'll hear the voice of Miss Hush in a few minutes and announce the biggest prizes in radio. At the microphone now, we have a lady and a gentleman. How do you do? Will the lady tell me her name, please? Leona Wilson. Mrs. Wilson? Miss Wilson. You're having trouble You're with a hat. You're getting me a husband. What's that? I, you have to get me a husband if you call me Mrs. Please, let's <laughs> don't go into that, Mrs. Uh, Miss Wilson, I'm sorry. Right. Would you move the brim of your hat back and let this man in a little bit, sister? I didn't, oh, it took all the hair off of you. Oh, it was there off before you came up the microphone. I'm glad I thought the hat had done it. Miss Wilson, Miss Wilson, where are you from? Cleveland, Ohio. Been out here long? Three months. What do you do in Cleveland? Oh, direct pageants and so-and-so. A seamstress. So, so, no, so, no. No. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Parade. Mr. Uh, Bill Bruin. Bill Bruin. Ralph Edwards. Ed- yes. <laughs> uh, good to see you. How did you uh, make out in your game today, Mr. Bruin? Oh, no, no game today. Oh, that's the UCLA group there. Yes, that's, uh, that's fine. All right, now, uh, here's the... Uh, do you ever go to any of the UCLA games? I do indeed, yes. California yes. games? Yeah. Boy, oh boy. What, what finally happened there in the Cal game? It was... It did the, did the, uh, Cal was a little behind there, my good old alma mater, but Southern Cal was ahead. How do you do? Now, uh, here, here's a question for you. Uh, miss it and we'll have the consequences, okay? Okay. Okay, listen very carefully. What do you do, Mr. Bruin? I'm a meat cutter when I'm working, but no work now. No meat, huh? No meat. <laughs> Price is too high. Yeah. 
Shall we get on? Ah! <laughs> well, uh, Mr. H.L. Murray of Buffalo, New York, wants to know where here in, uh, you work here in... In Hollywood. Yes, before that you lived in... Uh, Boston. Boston, Mass, and Sanford, Maine. Yes. And you were brought up as a boy in Sanford? Bro- in, in Maine, yes. And you were brought up as a girl in... In Athens, Ohio. Uh, you commuted, probably. That's Cincinnati. Right. I don't know where is it. Cleveland. Cleveland. Question, why is a ship called a she? Truth or consequences? Uh, Miss Wilson, Mr. Bruin. Mr. H.L. Murray of Buffalo, New York. Sent that in. Oh, Buffalo. We'll be calling on you in a minute. Why is a ship called a she? It's always on the lookout for boys. <laughs> Wilson, you should have known about that. What'd you say? I was in submarines for seven years. Is I that so? You that. finally got out. Uh, up. All right. Uh, that's, uh, no, truly, that's wonderful, Mr. Bruin. And uh, we're always happy to salute the Submarines Corps, Grand Group. All right, you haven't told the truth, so you must pay the consequences. We'd like the two of you to take part in a little drama, okay? Okay. Bye. Pageants Bye. and Bye. right up your alley. Absolutely. Absolutely. What kind of pageants do you put on in Cleveland? Oh, big parades and historical pageants. And, yes. And state affairs. Yes. Uh, telling how Cleveland came that's into the right, state. That's right. All right. Now, Mr. Mr. Bruin... You will play the part in this drama of Pinky Heifer Pepper. Will you say that once for me? Pinky Heifer Pepper. Heifer Pepper? Yes, that's good. Don't say it towards me. Just say it there. All right. Uh, Pinky Heifer Pepper, uh, an officer in His Majesty's service in the mythical kingdom of Zud. That does spell backwards, you understand? Now, while you, Miss, Miss Wilson, will portray the most beautiful woman spy of all time, Penelope Putterpane. You say that once. Penelope Putterpane. And you say... Penelope... Yes, you're doing all right. You will have to direct that toward the audience, though. All right. Now, since the scene... I mean, uh, Mr. Bruin. Since the scene uh, called for the two of you to be seated at a secluded restaurant having dinner, here are two crackers. There you are. It's an intimate place, you understand? Now, uh, uh, put them in your mouth, will you please, Miss Wilson? That's it. Johnny Pauly, turn on the microphone. We'll walk over to the little table that we have here. That's it. Will you start eating your crackers, Miss uh, Wilson? How's it taste? All right? Fine, fine. Good. How are you doing here, Miss Bruin? I'll try. Well, I think you need a little more. Put a few more in your mouth. That's it. Ouch, my finger. Are you doing all right now? A little dry. Well, that's all right. The, 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 uh, the play is a little dry, too. You doing all right? Very awesome. Yes, just like the pageants, isn't it? Very yes, awesome. Yeah, well, I got it. All right. Now, does this put you in the mood? Put me in somewhere. Yes. <laughs> that's it. All right. Now, uh... Now we're all set to go. Let, let's hear how Pinky Heifer Pepper... Here are the, the words to your play. Let's hear how Pinky Heifer Pepper would resist the charms of that glamorous spy, Miss Penelope Putterpane, in this stirring drama. Here is your script. A little mood music, please. Buddy Cole, and we'll begin. Get ready. Okay. Penelope, you speak first. I get Officer Heifer Pepper. Don't, don't be an old fuss budget. Pack over that class of former... Yes, that's what the fans told me. Oh, Penelope, I cannot. You are too slow, already cool. pain deep to deserve the part I want. Yes. Don't look now, but cracker shrapnel just wiped out the first two rows here. <laughs> You're both forgetting your dinner. Here are two more crackers for each of you. That's it. Continue. I, di- I didn't get it. Why? I got it that time. Uh, plenty. Thank you very much. All right. Now, go ahead. Oh, oh, thank you. I suppose you plan to take those fine plans back to Fort Finkelfeldler. Yes, Penelope. Looks just like a snowstorm in there. As a sister failed in this city. These personal private papers must be presented to the French tonight. Barry 
to beat you. Here we go to John Early, who already is on his way to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Take it away, John Early, inside the barrel. Here I am. Hello, everybody. Hello, Ralph Bird. You thought I wouldn't do it, didn't you? Well, I'm inside his barrel on my way over Niagara Falls. I can see the Great Falls in front of me already. I am <clears throat> in a... I want to tell you, they sure look beautiful from this airplane that I'm flying in over Niagara Falls. I'm sitting in a very nice barrel in a big DC-3 capital liner. That capital airliner's going to be just kidding with you. I sure want to thank capital airliners for letting me go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. <laughs> Now we're directly over Niagara Falls. There, I just went over the falls. And by God, you can't say I didn't do it. I'll be back in Hollywood Monday morning to collect my $1,500. I read devil! Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> oh, that son of a gun in an airplane. Went over Niagara Falls in a barrel in an airplane. He got me worse than Dusty Rhodes did. Well, I can't deny it, Mr. John Early went over Niagara Falls uh, in a barrel, even if it was in the cabin of a uh, capital airline, DC-3, hundreds of feet above Niagara Falls. I told you that, that uh, there was something to anticipate, and that's what it was. Well, we'll welcome him with open arms when Mr. Early returns to collect his prize. <laughs> we'll be in Chicago, but he won't know that. And uh, <laughs> while we're at it, we'll send uh, Miss uh, Fanny Bell Holler of Columbus, Ohio, a 72-piece set of fine art sterling silver for being at the top of the list with the Niagara Falls Dare. All's well that ends well, and brother, Mr. Early sure fixed me. That's all right. In a in a, uh, a barrel in an airplane. Uh, here, Harlow, Harlow, uh, take this big red box that does down to some lady in the audience and tell her it's still the only wash day soap of its kind, will you? That From I the will. roughest and the toughest to the whitest and the brightest, does does everything. I'll take it and it does. Good, good. Incidentally, uh, maybe it's a good thing we're all uh, going to Chicago for two weeks with truth or consequences. We hope to see you all at the Chicago Theater for two weeks. Several shows a day, beginning this Thursday, October 30th, with Truth or Consequences. The opening day has been put up a day. Thursday will open there. Oh, my. Well, uh, hi, let's have at the microphone, please. The uh, uh, gentlemen, we asked for doctors in our audience this evening. And uh, here we have a very uh, wonderful-looking doctor, I believe. How do you do, sir? What is your name? Dr. Lazard. How do you do, Dr. Lazard? Welcome to Truth or Consequences, Thank sir. You. Now, uh, how long have you been practicing, doctor? Oh, 50 years. Have you, sir? Well, there certainly have been remarkable advancements in the field of medicine and uh, surgery since the horse and buggy days, haven't there, Doctor? They have. Indeed. Are you... Where are you from, sir? Los Angeles, California. Born and raised. Born and raised. <laughs> Indeed, I have. <laughs> Dr. Lazard. Capital L-A, capital Z-A-R-D. Is that right? L-A-Z-A-R-D. All one word. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, did you use a horse and buggy in the old days? I did. Right here in the, right where Los Angeles used to be? Yes. Yes, that would be interesting to hear yeah. about. Uh, well, Dr. Lazard, the United States is justly proud of the yeoman service performed by the medical profession during the last war, both in the armed forces and on the home front. Truly, all of us can be grateful to the medical profession. Now, I'm going to have a question here for you. Miss it, and we'll have a little consequence for a doctor. We have doctors and lawyers and bankers and everybody else in through the consequences from time to time. Name three modes of passenger travel named after their inventors. Truth or consequences, Dr. Lazard. I don't know. Three modes of travel. <laughs> That's, uh, that got me, too, Doctor. Pullman, Zeppelin, and Hansom. 
Yes, that's a handsome man, that last fellow. <laughs> Sir? You have it on the paper. I get, that's how I know. <laughs> Otherwise, how would I know, Doctor? Dr. Lazard, uh, I bet you've uh, delivered many babies in your day, right? few, yes. I bet you have. Would you like to say how many or take a guess? Oh, about 3,000. It's enough to populate a big city, isn't it? Somewhat. They call it uh, Lazard City, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, for your consequence tonight, we want you to relive the old days. We want you to pretend that you've just delivered three babies. It's been a busy morning for you. We'd like to have three men in our audience uh, come up on stage and pretend they're the three babies that have just been born. Any three men come up that want to. There's three. Here comes, fellas. That's it. All right, we'll take this one. <laughs> These three here are all right. At least four. Thanks, Ellen. Okay. Now, uh, sir? They're too big to spank. They're too big to spank. No, they aren't, doctor. Because that's just about going to be what your consequence is. How do you do, gentlemen? How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for helping us out fine. here. How are you tonight, sir? Just fine. I'd like to have you meet Dr. Lazard. How do you do? Yes. Now, doctor, uh, here are the three men who will pretend that they are babies that you've just delivered. Now, we've seen in movies how doctors always sort of slap their babies to get them started. Uh, so we'll hang you three men upside down against this backboard here, if you will, please. Gentlemen, just get over there. And uh, so the doctor can slap you just as if uh, you, you, just, uh, as if it were you were getting born. You know, come on now, we'll help you there. That's it. Stand on your hands. We'll pull your feet up in the air. That's it. How about you? All right. Yes, you get over, too. All right, now. <laughs> now, you just go, uh, you say the same things that might come into your head. There they are. Looks like some grade A prime ribs hanging there. Why don't you cry? Well, well. What do you say? That's an awful start in life to take a beating like that. Yeah. <laughs> what about this fellow now, Doctor? What do you say to him? Can he think? Wow. <laughs> take it all easy. Right. I'm just a young kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's, breathing all right. He's breathing all right. All right. Now, Dr. Lazard, let's get over here. I'm on this one. Take it easy, Doctor. My keys in my pocket. <laughs> He was born with pants on, I guess, with the keys in the pocket there. All right. A Yale man, maybe. All right. There you are. Now, this sort of brings back old memories, doesn't it, Doctor? Somewhat. Yes. All right. Uh, babies, you can straighten up there. Doesn't it seem as though you've done this once before, Doctor? A few times. Yes. Do, uh, I mean, uh, do any of these men look familiar to you at all? Mm, I, I couldn't recognize them. No, they... <laughs> yes. Huh? You should know them. You brought every one of them into this world more than 30 or 35 years ago. Well, I should recognize them. <laughs> Now, wait a minute here. Let's find out. Uh, what is this gentleman? Herb Margolin. Yes. That name's familiar to me. Herb Margolin. Well, you just saw him at one time in your life, I think. Uh, was it uh, just the once that you saw the doctor? Uh, I don't remember seeing him, really. Yes, of course. Well, it was so young. And your name, sir? Melvin Margolin. Yes. And yours, sir? Hyman Solomon. Yes. I'm known, too. Solomon, you've known. What is your occupation, Solomon? The meat business. Uh, same old stand, you see. All right, now. Now, what about you? Traveling salesman. Yes. Salesman. Well, there you are. I, I can understand why you didn't recognize them. They were dressed differently then. And you can see how, how one man can be responsible for so many lives. Now, if you're wondering how we worked this out, Doctor, let me clear it up. Your wife and nurse, uh, Miss uh, Shaw, cooperated with us. And remember these men, uh, whom you know as little yowling infants. <laughs> they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> now, do they look... What's that? I'll have to talk to them. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, you can get together and talk over old times at a special dinner at King's Famous Restaurant here in Hollywood. The baby's wives and your wife will join you. Also, here's a 14-carat, 21-jewel bull of a watch for you, doctor, and a watch apiece for the men. Thank you all for giving us a wonderful consequence. Again, here's our thanks to the doctors and nurses. Good night, Dr. Lazard. Thank you, gentlemen. Now it's time... 
Now it's time for the new... Isn't he a wonderful fellow? Fine, dignified gentleman of his profession. Now it's time for the new Miss Hush contest for the March of Dimes. Although the actual March of Dimes campaign doesn't start until January, we're getting our Hush contest off to an early start. No need to tell you what last year's Mrs. Hush with Clara Bow did for the Infantile Paralysis Fund. Over a half million dollars were contributed by you wonderful, warm-hearted friends who were anxious to join in the fight against polio. Now we'll give you folks at home just a minute to get your thinking caps on, and in that time, I'm going to ask Harlow Wilcox a question. Uh, did you interview that lady I sent you to, Harlow, there? Brother, you picked a woman with a real wash day problem. I, I know, I know, the other day there. She has seven kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, she has bath towels, sheets, overalls, prints, and stripes. And when I told her it does, is one soap for everything in a wash like that. She, she couldn't believe it, eh? No, she couldn't. But I explained that does is different. Different from any other leading package soap sold for wash day. Even gives you more suds, ounce for ounce. Real soap suds with cleaning power to get work clothes shining clean, white things gloriously white. Yet this same amazing does is safer for the newest, brightest colors you want. That's my boy. I, Ralph, mm -hmm. I even left her a box of does to try. We did? What happened? She called today and said, hooray, does really does everything. Nice dozen, Harlow. You know, folks, more and more women everywhere are choosing does these days. So, folks, first can't you get, get does. From the roughest and toughest to the whitest and brightest, does, does everything. That it does. That it does. Harlow Wilcox. I see the doctor back there talking over old times with the three, three boys. Oh, he's really happy now. Now stand by for the voice of Miss Hush, a well-known American myth. Listen to her voice now, speaking from somewhere in the United States, and then we'll tell you how to enter the Miss Hush contest and be eligible for the first two weeks' giant jackpot of prizes. So far, the prizes amount to a 1947 Buick Super Convertible from the Howard Automobile Company, a complete Bendix home laundry with washer, dryer, and mangle, a round-trip ticket for two from any place in the United States via United Airlines Mainliner 300 across the Pacific to Honolulu and a suite of rooms for a two-week vacation at the Matson Lines world-famous Royal Hawaiian Hotel. All expenses paid. To that, we have added a $2,000 Columbia house trailer completely equipped with separate bedrooms, stove, and refrigerator from the Glendale Columbia Trailer Company, a $1,000 diamond and ruby Boulevard wristwatch, and an RCA Victor Crestwood radio phonograph combination plus a new 1948 RCA Victor television receiver and a library of 100 Red Seal and popular records. Now, listen, listen, here it is. Listen to the voice of Miss Hush then hear how to become eligible for these Dream World Prizes. Attention, here is Miss Hush. Second, for Santa Claus. First, for me. Thirteen, for Reese. Seven, for Tree. Bring me an auto, a book, and a ball, and I'll say Merry Christmas in spring, not in fall. Who is it? You'll hear again in a moment the voice of Miss Hush. Now, here is how you can become eligible for the prizes and at the same time help the March of Dimes Epidemic Aid Fund to fight polio epidemics in your community next summer. Eligibility for participation in the contest is not contingent upon your contribution, but you can assist in bringing the prize of good health to those afflicted and at the same time be eligible for a treasure of prizes yourself. If you think you know whose voice it is, finish this sentence in 25 additional words or less. We should all support the March of Dimes because... And place your entry with your contribution, if you please, to the March of Dimes in an envelope addressed to Miss Hush, Hollywood, California. 
Make sure your name and address and telephone number are printed plainly on the upper right-hand corner of the paper upon which your entry is written. Do not include the name of Miss Hush in your entry. The March of Dimes again has selected three prominent citizens to act as final judges. They are Federal Judge J.F.T. O'Connor, Mr. Roy Nasker, head of the L.A. County Chapter of the National Foundation of the March of Dimes, and Dr. Veerling Kersey, Superintendent of the Los Angeles City Schools. Now, these judges will select the first, second, and third best entry from the best entries chosen by the March of Dimes judging staff. Entries will be judged for sincerity, originality, and aptness of thought. All entries and ideas therein become the property of truth or consequences. None will be returned. Any residents of the United States may compete, except employees of Truth or Consequences, NBC, Procter & Gamble, their advertising agencies, and their families, and my mother and my children. The address again, Miss Hush, Hollywood, California. As stated last week, all entries received by October 27th will be entered in the first week's contest, and thereafter, entries will be entered in each week's contest as received. Enter as often as you please. However, only one entry to an envelope. Now, here's how it works. You've heard the voice of Miss Hush. You'll hear her again in just a moment. Then on the Truth or Consequences show next week, we will telephone the entrant who submitted the best entry in the opinion of the judges. If you are that person, and if you're by your telephone, you will be asked to tell us the name of the well-known Miss whose voice you've just heard. My conversation with you and your answer in identifying Miss Hush will be transcribed. If you're correct, you will win the giant jackpot. If you're wrong, the sender of the second best entry will be called. And if the second is wrong, the writer of the third best entry will be telephoned. The same procedure will be followed each week until the voice of Miss Hush is identified. The contest terminates when one of the entrants identifies Miss Hush. The prizes by that time may have mounted to unbelievable heights. Already there's something to dream about. Enter each weekly contest as often as you choose, however, only one entry to an envelope. And remember to include a money contribution, if you please, for the March of Dimes in each envelope. Give from your heart, folks. Harlow, uh, would you like to give the reminder? Right, Ralph. If you are not at your phone for any reason when we call you on the broadcast, you automatically will be eliminated. And this is important. Do not include the name of the woman you believe to be Miss Hush in your entry. Remember, finish the statement, we should all support the March of Dimes because... In 25 additional words or less, and mail with your name, address, and telephone number printed plainly in the upper right-hand corner of your entry paper to Miss Hush, Hollywood, California. It's important, thank you, Harlow, it's important to remember that you listeners in the Eastern Time Zone will be called at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Those in the Central Time Zone will be called at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Those in the Mountain Time Zone at 6.30 Mountain Time. And you listeners in the Pacific time zone will be called at 5.30 Pacific time. Each Saturday during the contest, the calls will be made at the same time. All entrants called during the contest will be allowed only one answer to the identity of Miss Hush. If no one is correct one week, three more fabulous prizes will be added to the jackpot the following week. Now listen, here she is again, Miss Hush, speaking from somewhere in the United States. Miss Hush, would you recite the jingle clues again, please? Gladly, Mr. Edwards. Second for Santa Claus, first for me, thirteen for wreath, seven for tree. Bring me an auto, a book, and a ball, and I'll say Merry Christmas in spring, not in fall. Thank you, Miss Hush. Who is it? I'm going to give the jingle again. Listen. Second for Santa Claus, first for me, 13 for wreath, 7 for tree, bring me an auto, a book, and a ball, and I'll say Merry Christmas in spring, not in fall. 
Now, next week, we'll hear from Miss Hush again and make our first phone call. Get your letter in immediately and become eligible for the giant jackpot, which already amounts to a 1947 Buick Super Convertible, the complete Bendix home laundry, a round-trip ticket for two via United Airlines Mainliner 300 to Honolulu, and a suite of rooms for two weeks' vacation at the Matson Line's world-famous Royal Hawaiian Hotel, all expenses paid, a $2,000 Columbia house trailer, a $1,000 diamond and ruby bull of a wrist watch, and an RCA Victor radio phonograph combination plus a new 1948 RCA Victor television receiver and a library of 100 Red Seal and popular records. Listen in next week on Truth or Consequences for Miss Hush. Who is she? Well, how does you do? It's our happy go dozy singers with their merry washing machine. Hello. Put does in your washing machine. Work clothes come out oh so clean. White things white and colored things bright. He usually does everything. From the roughest and the toughest to the whitest and the brightest. No soap quite like does before. Does is different, does does more. When you does your washing thing. That was such sensational kids, and uh, the grand prize winner tonight was Dr. Lazar. Uh, $25 savings bond. Next week is National Radio Week, ladies and gentlemen. A good time to think of the great pleasure radio brings to your life every week throughout the year. This is Ralph Edwards sending you dozens of good washes, and until next week when we greet you from Chicago, see you for two weeks at the Chicago Theater, several shows a day beginning this Thursday, and make our first call for a Miss Hush winner next Saturday on Truth of Consequences. Good night, everybody! <laughs> Carlo Wilcox speaking for Procter & Gamble, the makers of Does. Ralph Edwards' Truth of Consequences came to you from Hollywood, Buffalo, and Miss Hush's Hideaway. Prepare to be dazzled. See your hair shine its brightest with new, improved Dream Shampoo. Compared to dulling soap shampoos, new Dream reveals up to 33% more sheen. Yes, after your very first Dream Shampoo you'll see up to 33% more sheen in your hair. Extra money, money, money. $25,000 must be won in Dream Sensational Contest. First prize, $10,000. Get entry blank and complete information at your dealer. You may win a fortune. Don't miss Dream's $25,000 contest. Okay, everybody, as much as I hate to, I'm going to have to uh, go off the air for now. And uh, I don't know what I'll pick for next week. But I'm going to, I wanted to tell you guys that uh, I'm going to get you up some Superman because I know that uh, a lot of you like Superman. And um, so I, I didn't have Superman on my hard drive because. At the time that I collected most of the, these things, I wasn't sharing them with anybody uh, like I am now. So I'm going to go grab some for you. And um, I'd like to tell you that, I, that I'll have them by next week, but I'm just really not sure. So I hope you all enjoyed the show as much as I did. Uh I hate to I hate to see you have to put your shoes back on and leave, but uh, 
I have to leave, so <laughs> I guess I'll see you next time. And this is Pepsi Mama wishing you a very happy week. <laughs>